right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is another episode of Citizen Central, one of my podcasts, this one monthly. Uh, a little bit of a different change from the normal YouTube content, but I like to host this every month and have a couple other creators from around Star Citizen come on and discuss some of the bigger topics going on. And with IAE just ending, now I think is a good time for us to talk about ships, the goods, the bads, what we hate, what we love, and how we as a community react to them. So I brought in some of the uh, some of the best, honestly. I have everybody here making videos on YouTube or running streams that I really enjoy watching, and I think you guys all have something great to say. So I wanted to bring you together. We've got Loken Plays, Hybrid V Audio, The Space Coder, and Loud Guns with us today. Thank you so much for joining. If you are sitting here live and watching the show, we've got a Q&A afterwards, so you'll be able to put some questions in for these folks and have them answer after we're done. And if you're watching this after the fact, make sure to leave a comment uh, about what you like to hear. But let's get started off with you guys. We'd love to hear a little bit more about your content, what you make, what you focus on, um, and just in general, why you decided to get into creation. We'll start with you, Logan. All right, so to all those out there who already know me, hi, I'm Logan Plays. If you don't, it's a pleasure to meet you. So um, I have been making Twitch uh, streamed content for about eight years. Uh, I got into Star Citizen and backed it at about 2015. Didn't start making content until 2018, 2019. Um, nowadays, it's become kind of the primary game I focus on um, because it's just this enormous, great, big, awesome adventure of just epic proportions this 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 game is everything i could possibly want from a from a sci-fi franchise game and beyond um when i'm not making content in star citizen though i am also doing variety stream i tend to focus more on sci-fi i tend to focus more on simulation and fps shooters but i'll cover anything that's really you know super interesting and you know takes my fancy uh, and more recently, I've started to do YouTube stuff now, too. So I've been doing YouTube for just about nine, nine-ish months. And the YouTube channel has definitely focused down on Star Citizen content again. That's me. And that's where you can find me. A citizen to the core. Hybrid V Audio, yeah. how about yourself? Hey, folks. Hybrid V. I do sound design, both for games and for machinimas and whatnot. I'm kind of like where Loken is, where I started, actually, in Star Citizen, roughly around that 2015, 2016-ish uh, time period and I mostly just played the game that was what I was mostly doing and then I eventually jumped into actually doing machinima work I did uh, two machinimas the combined arms machinima for Star Citizen as well as the letters from Vega series so that's kind of where I got my start so to speak doing content for Star Citizen uh, and then eventually just moved on to converting my channel which was originally my professional audio channel to like a Star Citizen channel and uh, most recently I just do like random content whether it's just gameplay tutorials uh and the most recent thing i did of course was the uh tail gunner experience where i kind of created the idea of what it would sound like if the audio simulation was turned off in star citizens so it sounded more like a real space uh kind of a gameplay you know it just uh take out all the extra sounds and stuff like that and just feel the reverberations of the whole definitely you should go check that out it's a really cool video um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now, and I love making that type of content, and uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I think the first video I saw from you was one of those, uh, might have been early last year, where you were doing one of those re-sound design videos. Mm -hmm. Really cool. I like that. Uh, They're a lot of fun to make. Space Coder, how about yourself? Well, I figure I'm probably the least known person on here, uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, so I'm the Space Coder, for all of you who don't know me, uh, those of you who know me, hey guys. 
And so what I mostly do in Star Citizen, I'm the guy behind the Star Citizen Armory, which is a tool that lets you build out loadouts for your characters for FPS. And it shows you the stats and where to buy and where to loot the items. And we also have pictures for some of them. But I'm working on that. And I also do YouTube videos. I do a lot of theory crafting, uh, some tutorials. Uh, and some people say that I complain a lot. Uh, but <laughs> in my opinion, I'm just putting my opinion as a project manager and a software developer. Uh, and I take that and I try to take a more critical look and how Star Citizen has developed and maybe what CAG could do a little bit better, what they are already doing well and what they should probably stop doing. And that that's me. And go use the armory. People is going to save you a shit ton of time. Yeah, he's doing the armory <laughs> stuff. That means he's got his fingers in the code, looking at looking at some don't, of the secrets. Don't, don't say that. Don't say <laughs> that. CIG doesn't like it when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, loud guns yourself. Uh, yeah, I've been making videos for a couple of years on YouTube. Uh, mostly started as a way just to do mostly tutorial stuff. So it's more more around the industrial side. Because I thought with a name like Loud Guns, I should really focus on mining and that sort of gameplay as opposed to shooting stuff. Uh, but it was mostly just a way to teach myself a new skill in lockdown. Mm -hmm. Thought I'd learn to video edit. Um, I'm still learning. It's, uh, but it's got marginally better over the last couple of years. So It's a constant journey. It's the fun part about it. You're always, you're always learning some new things. Well, thank you all for joining me today. I actually want to ask, uh, who is the, who is the newest and who's the oldest backer here? Just throw out the year that you backed real quick and let's see. So, I mean, I was 2015. So yeah, so me well. and Loken are the same. We're around that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me check, but I think it's also 2015. Okay. I was, I was 2014. Okay. But then, uh, but then it was oh, five years till I had a computer good enough to play it. So I only really started playing in 2019. Okay. But, but, but fairly, it sounds like everybody here is pretty much a veteran at this point. I mean, considering. Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm also 2014. So we've been here for a while. And I, and I wanted to ask that because I think that the way that people view some of the topics we're going to talk today, ships, ship sales, concept ships, and even how these ships are made useful changes a little bit based on how long you've been around and what you've seen. Um, yeah. So I wanted to get that that sort of context out of the way. And for anybody who is like watching this and notices that I'm just straight holding <laughs> my microphone, uh, it's been a couple weeks since I've streamed. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we were in the middle of a move from Turkey back to the US and we're gonna be here until January, at which point we'll be heading back to Turkey. But for those of you who watch my stuff, you know that we're constantly moving around and unfortunately uh, we, forget a couple parts sometimes so i just have to hold the microphone for today sorry if i make any extra noise there but that's just a minor distraction let's get into the it's fine topic. we're gonna freestyle this this, this stream yeah fine. yeah uh, by by you know i might just put the microphone down and let you guys do it on your own anyways but let's get into the actual topic of the day so the first thing i wanted to ask was before jumping into kind of the more obvious conversation i wanted to just get your unbiased opinion on what the best part of Star Citizen is. What truly sets it apart from other space games or space sims? Anybody is free to start. Okay. So, for me, it's unprecedented scope, scale, and detail. It's just those those are the three things that come to my mind instantly when you say that or ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, the, the scope is pretty... It's always Yeah, I'll very probably... I'll probably echo 
Loken on that, definitely scope and scale, but also for the most part, uh, the community is one of the biggest draws as well because the community is at times can be, you know, very critical, but at the same time, incredibly helpful. Um, we're back and forth, like we could end up being disagreeing on stuff or we come across really cool stuff and share it. Uh, one of the coolest things I love seeing is when I pop into the game and I have chat open and somebody's like, how do I pull my landing gear up? Uh, how do I land? And like, there'll be like 30 uh, messages in chat of just like how to do this, how to do that. Here, let me invite you. Let me bring you in and let's, let's show you how to do it. Like, that's the coolest thing I love about the community. Just N, 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 everybody's N. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Like, I think I would like echo what everyone said. Uh, plus, you know, in Star Citizen, if you ask, can I do X? The answer is usually yes. With enough effort and determination, the answer is usually yes. Can I salvage? <laughs> you so you, you are Imokari, yes. <laughs> soon. Hashtag yeah. soon. For me, it's definitely Does the, blowing uh... up people count as salvage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you guys are complaining. I was salvaging before we started. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for me, it's for me, it's the multiplayer. It's it's the the fact that this game is designed in many ways to be a truly like multiplayer MMO. Mm -hmm. No, I, I was I was looking for quite a long time. Like it didn't even matter to me that it was space. It was just like I was looking for a game which actually put the the multiplayer in an MMO because so many MMOs at the moment feel like kind of a solo RPG that you play alongside other people. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. is like you have to play with other people, which was what I was looking for for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Something that scares some people. Some people don't want to have to to play with other players, and I do think that Star Citizen has some. Uh, responsibility to give those people a, a fun game experience but i agree with you that uh, this game is just better when you have other people around there's not much you can do in the game and already it uh the amount of fun you have when you bring other people goes up quite a bit 100 100 percent. it's a game that's always been designed to be well it feels like it's fundamentally designed to be an mmo you as you say you can play it solo and you will be able to get an experience but it's at its best when you're with a crew. Yeah. And you just, just shenanigans, Zinka. Yeah, yeah. So most of the answers seem to have sort of centered around the uh, the detail and the kind of joint experience that you get with other people, the community, and uh, getting that kind of help and getting those experiences in multiplayer. And I think a lot of it ends up coming down to the topic at hand, which is the ships. You get to fly different places with other people in ships you get to fly different places with people in other ships um you could do mining combat medical cargo delivery all these different things and it gen ten generally tends to center around the ships and we were talking about before the podcast how a lot of the focus people have right now is on the ships because the game itself kind of lacks some of the more um immersive features that might take people's uh, attention let's get more into that discussion does it feel like there is a lot of focus on the ships generally that are impressive or or more interesting in the game like uh the galaxy that just got introduced the carrick is a big one the corsair is another big one you get these big very interesting ships that are multiplayer focused that draw a lot of attention as opposed to something like say a cutter or Pisces, which is a single-person ship, do you feel like those bigger ships take a higher percentage of the discussion than they need to? Or do you think that people are focusing on 
all of the ships pretty equally based on what they do for the game. If I can sort of kick the, that particular conversation off, um, that's a, obviously it's quite a big um, uh, multifactored question. The answer I would give in that is I think that the ships in Star Citizen are always going to be a really, really big feature of the game, either irrespective of when we get detail and the ability to homestead on planets and maybe make our home base on planets and engage and stuff that doesn't require us to always be moving around systems. It's fundamentally a space sci-fi game and ships are such an evocative part of that experience in any sci-fi franchise, any media, you know, you Star Wars, Star Trek, Firefly, the, you know, Mass Effect. It's always like, what's the, one of the first things you think of? The ships. It, it just is what it is. So the big ships like the Galaxy, they are always going to, in my opinion, at least get a little bit more attention, say ships like the Cutter or, you know, the Aurora or stuff like that, because they're these, well, they're the, the hero ships, really, aren't they? They're the ones where you can get a crew together, where you can live your best sort of like, you know, sci-fi experience. Mm -hmm. But I think that a lot of people do give due credit to the smaller ships as well. A lot of praise has been levied that's recently at the Cutter, for example, for being effectively a near-perfect starter ship at this point and showcasing and highlighting just how far the ship team has come, but also how poor the Aurora and the Mustang are in comparison these days. Yeah. You know, it's really shone a bright light on that. So, But it depends on who you talk to because obviously we're coming, all of this team here, and to come from an experience of we've been here 2014, 2015, we've seen this stuff develop. Somebody who's new, I don't know, you might get a different response. But that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Mm -hmm. I think you're right in terms of like why those bigger ships will steal that limelight. I, one one thing I would love to see further down the line is people being a bit more attached to like their ship, their one yeah. that they share with their crew. Yeah, and I just think those bigger ships they they give you that bit more space to to live out that life on with each other. Yeah. Um, whereas whereas a Drake Cutter is it's an amazing starter ship and it's great for the single player if that's what you're doing. But for a lot of people, it will just be their starter ship is just what they use to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're all hoping that you can customize your ship to a, a pretty significant extent in the interior. You know, having maybe a different chair at that table than what came by default or, or having something on the wall or just little things here and there. And the bigger the ship is, the more you can customize those things and make them, like you said, something that people can, can feel a little more personal with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think it ties into the whole, you know, multiplayer experience, like we mentioned in the previous question, is that, you know, those bigger ships give you that multiplayer experience. It gives you that community feeling. You're not really going to get that with an Aurora or a Cutter or a Nomad. It's, but yeah, they, CIG kind of shot themselves in the foot with the Cutter, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, they, the, the, the bigger ships do give you more of that, that freedom of multiplayer. Um. And Hybrid, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, ultimately they do kind of take the show, so to speak. But I think for the most part, it really, it kind of depends on like what you actually fall in love with. Uh, so for example, like recently I've been like teaching my dad to play the game. He's a much older gentleman, of course. And um, he's not really a gamer, but he really likes the game itself. And he kind of was like looking at the different ships. He's like, I don't know which one to get. I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to do combat. I just want to do dogfighting. I want to get some sticks and I really want to get into it. 
And I was like, well, there's a whole slew of them. You could start with like a Mustang or something like that. And he's like, no, I like this one. And he looked at the Avenger and I was like, that's a pretty good pick. And um, since then, like in IAE, I took him around to look at all the ships. And he's like, I was like, well, ask him, I was like, do you want anything that's new there? And he's like, uh, I kind of really like my Avenger. And it's like at that point, like that's really like all that like uh, kind of appealed to him. It's kind of like when you look at how people were like obsessed with the Carrick when they first like showed it years and years ago in concept and people were just obsessed. They were creating models of it and just like fan art of it. And then it came out and people still to this day are just like in love with it. Even mm -hmm. Some people even will go to the show floor, see on the show floor and they're like, I have to have that ship. Um, so, well, yeah, it does take, people. yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it does take a little bit of air from the room in some respects, but I think it really comes down to, in my opinion, personally, like, uh, like what you really fall in love with, like, what is the, the, the ship that kind of like really pokes out at you and really grabs you. And it's the one that's never going to leave your fleet, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're all kind of talking about them being these sort of hero characters, their own characters in the game, if you will, they're super central to the experience, but do you guys feel like the ships themselves are actually living up to that importance i mean they fund the whole game they define the game for a lot of people do you feel like and we can we can kind of ignore the fact that say the uh the mustang came out and it's at a different level of quality from the cutter right the the time difference that in the way these ships are created causes quality differences but if we look at the newer ships that are coming out do you feel like they're living up to how important they are for this game? I'd say yeah. I, I really do think they are. I think that the I think that if we discuss this, we have to take into consideration the fact that right now we are only in one system. Right now, a lot of functionalities for a lot of ships aren't available. My Carrick is a good example, has half its functionality offline. I can't deploy my modular cargo bay. I can't deploy my ablative armor i have no drones i have no stellar cartography yeah i'm absolutely sure that in the future when we have more of these systems online the ships are going to just get better and better and better and again you you know referencing the pipeline you know of of, of seeing where cig has been with designing ships and where they are now they just keep on getting better so i'm personally of the opinion that yeah, I think that they're living up to it. I think that they're delivering. Um, and I think that they continue to excel personally. Anybody else have something on that? I, I think that covers it, actually. Yeah. Sorry, that's... No, no, no. <laughs> it's, well, <laughs> I think it's that kind of opens up the discussion because you start looking at how these ships, yes, they might live up to the importance that they hold, but then, like you said, it depends on when they start adding these features to the ships. So we could be looking at features like resource management, modularity, um, the fact that some of the ships carry others, physicalized damage, all these major systems that are supposed to make the ships feel a lot better in the future than they do now are kind of, uh, they're a lot. And there's a lot of ships. Does that sort of question is that is that daunting is that exciting are you looking forward to all these ships getting updated or are you kind of sitting there and thinking how are they gonna manage to keep all these ships up to date with these systems oh yeah, guess, uh, that's a good question i guess yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a yeah. problem of like in, in software development this is it would be a similar problem to legacy code right because technology develops and it moves forward at an amazing pace 
And you have to keep updating the older stuff that you have to keep up and to make it work better. Right. And I think CAG is just going to be stuck in this loop of updating things. But, but eventually, I think once we hit gold standard on most things, I think we're going to be okay. They're going to be able to slow down. And then it's going to be more of a maintenance and balance kind of a situation. But I think we're very, very many years away from that. Until <laughs> yeah. then, it's just going to be this chase of you know the gold standard and updating everything. But that's actually not a bad thing on its own. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to steal the wind of a, one of the following questions, or at least my answer to it. So as you're hiring new people, right? And some of these people at CRG are hiring have experience. They're hiring people who have been in the industry for years, but they're also hiring people who are new. And regardless of whether you're new or you have some experience with like being a game developer, you still need some sort of an introduction, some sort of a warm-up into the project. You just can't jump in and build a Karak. You have yeah. to do something small. And I think uh, this is where a lot of the reworks are going to come in, a lot of the smaller ships, like the C8R, the new Pisces, it's... I saw that I'm like, yeah, someone who just got hired did that. Because when you look at it, it's a Pisces. You know, they just set them down to the computer. It's like, here's a Pisces. Here's how you take it apart. And here's some medical room components from the Karak. Put it together. You have a week. Good luck. Yeah. And yeah. then they were just like, yeah, you know what? We're going to put it in the live build. It's pretty nice. I mean, it came out pretty nice, I'll be honest. Yeah. It, it yeah. looks good. But and it's no, very, you, you, like, you. obvious choice of a ship. I mean, is the, perf the Pisces is just perfect for that. Yeah. To, to kind of build on that point, uh, to build on Coda's point there, yeah, I think you're. I think I think you know you're correct. And the more ships they add in, ultimately, the more work they're going to give themselves. The ships do fund the project. The ships do are the most evocative part of the game. And as a result, they. I don't think they're going to stop bringing new concepts in anytime soon. Problem is, of course, is that they are going to, as a result, just create themselves a longer and longer lag period now to actually get in those all of those ships up to the standard. And I. I think that we will see them continuing to have to update and improve these uh, in legacy ships long into beta and probably maybe into release because they're just going to have a list, list of work to do and they'll get there eventually but I just feel like there's going to be a lag period. I mean we're already seeing it now unless they suddenly hire tons more people and they start having a mega ship team but i don't know how viable that is yeah well, I guess, let's I guess be like, realistic let's not expect cig to do management well like let's well, be realistic here but that's my big <laughs> question though my big question is like do you need all of the ships released into a platinum or fairly standard whatever you want to call it for for a 1.0 like for for the live for the game to go live like, i I don't know. I don't know if ships are necessarily the bottleneck that's preventing us getting Star Citizen One by a live playable release. And I just figure ships are an element of content which will probably will probably get ships that are new concepted and released even after live. Mm. They'll they'll come up with something new to add. Yeah. And so it's probably it probably is going to be a a bit of a hamster wheel. And probably after you have released and made money by selling squadron 42 probably you can dynamically increase the size of your ship team well that's that's a really a very interesting point the the ships are super important we've already defined it you know the center of the game a lot of people love them they bring in the funding they create a lot of the content but honestly at the end of the day it's the features that really matter it's the features that are really going to be the thing that brings people the excitement 
and we talked about this a little bit beforehand. I'd love to get more into this conversation, but the the features might start to distract people from the ships because that's where the gameplay comes in. And right now, without a lot of features, without a lot of things to do, there's a lot of focus on every ship that comes out, what it can do, what are its specs, its hard points, can you fit a, a Pisces inside of it, all those kinds of things. Um, they've talked a lot about adding just hundreds of jobs, as Space Coder kind of alluded to, and bringing in a lot more people over the next few years. What do you guys think, like, just... I guess, theorycraft a little bit for yourselves. Where do you see this company settling in terms of employee numbers? Let's say maybe while they're still kind of expanding and building everything out, and then when they drop into maintenance mode and only want the people who are, you know, on, they can only afford a certain amount of people. Like, what, what numbers do you guys think? So, I mean, how, how many do they currently have? Is it 800 or something? It's around 800, I think, yeah. Uh, 800, yeah. I don't think it's an unfair statement to say that they may get to one 1.5k you know employees at peak. Um, and obviously that is again, it's very important to reiterate this is team split between two different projects right now. It's not just Star Citizen, it's also Squadron 42. So, you know, at their peak, I could see them getting that level of um of, of numbers and looking at the amount of infrastructure investment that currently putting into new offices new facilities gargantuan new mocap you know rooms etc it seems like this is where they're aiming and i mean you know after squadron comes out which will inevitably come out before star citizen comes out then they can consolidate the team and you'll probably see again another huge spike in in speed and efficiency on star citizens you know uh, speed uh, speed of developments whether or not i mean those those numbers will definitely go down after the you know 1.0 comes out so what numbers i'm couldn't i couldn't say if i'm honest it won't obviously be 1.5k or something you know humongous like that mm -hmm. but you still probably have a fairly large number of people on board because irrespective if it's being developed or not i can still see this game requiring lots and lots of post con release content and lots of updates and it's it, it will. It's for me at least. I think Star Citizen is always going to be being developed, and always going to have new things put in, and always have new ships maybe be added, and new concepts, and building on the foundations. So I don't think it'll ever be a small company. Which is interesting. I just did a quick Google search to see, just you know, offhand, kind of what people are saying uh, in terms of the crew that runs something like World of Warcraft, and. I mean, I don't know how close these numbers are to true. These are old numbers from six, seven years ago, but people are estimating anywhere around 300 people. And that kind of crew size is vastly different from what we see in Star Citizen now. Star mm -hmm. Citizen, obviously, is coming from a studio that is trying to build up the studio, trying to make different games, trying to build a game engine. It's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, but it does kind of put into perspective that if they're looking to try and get up to 1,200 people in the next couple of years, this is like a different scale. Yeah, I suppose, uh, I suppose with World of Warcraft, you've got the fact that it comes from an established studio, though. Yeah. So, so you probably because it's Activision Blizzard, they probably wouldn't necessarily count marketing in World of Warcraft because they probably have an overarching team. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. comes down, it comes down to how successful it is, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And how, much, how much ongoing success can you generate? And, and it's I mean, a there's, hard you know, discussion There's two things that we know here, right? 
Sure. We know that CIG has the money to get pretty much as many people as they want. Like the money's not going to dry out for the next couple of years. Come on, guys. We're half a billion. <laughs> <laughs> like we're good. We keep exceeding goals and targets yes. in last year's totals. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and I think last time I checked, CIG had like over 100 open positions. And that was like six months ago when I was looking for a new job. <laughs> so, so that number may have changed. They still haven't hired me, by the way. Very, very not nice of them. Uh, rude. Yeah, like very rude. rude. I keep sending them reports of how their data is fucked and they keep ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a good way to get hired. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, you know, like if, if you guys like, all I want is for them to fix their naming standards. That's, that's all I want. Just, just have one, not six of them, please. It's going to make my job a little easier. Anyway, so I think, I think they will settle at a pretty high number. Like, I think, I think someone pointed out that the number for Blizzard is just devs. I think the whole company is much more people. I think CIG is going to settle under 2,000 for like the peak of development, and then they're going to not necessarily lay off people, but I think a lot of people are going to leave for projects that are in development because when you're a software or you know a game developer, you want to be working on things that are going to be released, so your name's going to be on release because that just looks better on your resume. Uh, you know, a lot of people are not going to want to stay that long. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to end up with a... Because I agree. Star Citizen is going to keep getting developed for years on end. Like this, this game is going to outlive all of us. Uh, so I think they're going to probably settle around 1,000 long-term, and maybe half of that is going to be like development, like production, and the rest of it is just going to be support, uh, you know, moderators, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we'll yeah. see. I, I think they have a budget to maintain it, and they have I think the capacity of the offices they have, it's possibly up to 3,000 people since they have a bunch of new offices now and the new studio. Jeez. So they, yeah. Be a lot. they poured a lot of money into yeah. that. Yeah. And as somebody pointed out in the chat, the numbers the, the, the numbers I pulled up for World of Warcraft were the devs on the game as opposed to the co employees in the whole company. And I think CIG, most of their employees are focused on Squadron 42 or Star Citizen um, and not like, you know, five other, six other games that they're building out like Activision Blizzard would be but it, it does I think still just the difference in scale uh, there's something to be said about that and Space Coder you are alluding to some pretty big numbers when it comes to the actual development going into the game right now we've got I think I got this numbers over here we've got about 69 unique flyable ships if the Vulture comes out nice and nice. a total of <laughs> looks like about 123 now this is including different variants and stuff but it's a decent amount of ships and i think that's probably going to double i would say at, at some yeah. point we're going to see a lot of ships but in the long term do you think that they should be putting more developers towards ships or features and i know that's kind of tough to answer because there's a little bit of crossover in the way that features work with ships like you know you build out a ship technically resource management is a feature that's included in that ship so i know that's that's hard to answer but how do you think they should be balancing their development time um i mean i think that it's important to state that some out there may not be as um aware of how development works inside of a company like any games company the people who are making the ships won't necessarily be the people who are make, working on features, and sure. there is a massive delineation 
between those. So, you know, it's not like the whole company's focused on this one ship. And as a result, they're not working on the feature you care about. No, no, no. There are separate teams doing separate things simultaneously. That said, um, I think in the short term, mid term, you're going to see a lot of massive crossover because a lot of these fundamental features are necessary to make ship stuff work. But I, I would like to see a, a bigger bias personally in getting the actual core features and the core gameplay loops that we are missing or are still on the, the drawing board actually put into the game and starting to be actually tested by alpha backers and Evocati and that because I think it's important. And also a lot of those will start to inadvertently affect how ships operate and maybe there will be unforeseen changes that need to occur just because game you know the, the testers have found x y and z and oh okay maybe this ship would be better to do this or maybe we need a ship for this that we didn't even realize needed to exist mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah um and we see i that. would like to see there being a tilt and a bias toward gameplay at this point and gameplay features mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i think i think like gameplay features would actually ironically make people buy more ships yeah Probably. like i like yeah. i i i personally i dipped into my store credit and bought myself a vulture at IAE. But the reason I bought it was because, you know, barring something somehow going wrong, I'm actually going to be able to test out a gameplay loop with it. Yeah. And if, if there was no news about salvage, I wouldn't have bought that vulture. So, so I think just getting, getting some features out will, will actually push the ship sales. I maybe more than a new concept ship. I agree. I, um... yeah, there, I think the question forgets one very important part. Sure. It's not just features and ships. There is also a big, big, big core tech pillar to this whole thing. And that is the most important part. Because that's what server meshing is hanging on. That's what all the refactors are hanging on. You know, maybe some of you guys remember the client-server actor refactor that was on the roadmap like two years ago and then disappeared. Yep. The thing that was going to fix everything. Yeah, that's one of those. Uh, still waiting for that one because it was probably going to fix a lot of things. So that's the big thing. Yeah. And then you have to come at the part where, you know, ship developers and feature developers and all sorts of different teams because we have like generalizing it into, you know, features, ships, and core tech is very, very broad. And there are a lot of teams under each of those. And some of the roles in those teams have overlap, but most of them don't. So you're going to have to hire engine developers to do some of the core tech but you also need you know people who do economy who do finance type of stuff for the you know for the economy for quantum that we're going to have like that's not much to do with game development that's mostly statistics and economy in there uh so there is lots of things and i think the focus should probably be for the core tech to be ready because off of that we're going to build up uh, you know better features and better ships and that's I think that's where a lot of blockers lie mm -hmm. at the moment. Absolutely. But the problem there is that it's very, very difficult to hire people for those core roles because you need very, very experienced people, very, very good developers to make something that's going to work at the scale of Star Citizen. And it's also going to scale with the game as we you know, bring on server meshing and we have more server shards and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, the... It's a good point, the, the core tech versus the features. I usually try and put that into the feature section, but like you said, it's almost its entirely own own segment with things like Gen 12 and server meshing and PES and things like that. 
um, <clears throat> going back to what you had said, Loud Guns, about the ship actually having use and features that support it and that causing more people to be interested in it, I think is something that while a lot of the increase was the pandemic we saw in 2020, almost everybody who's following this game very closely knows that the funding for this game took off in 2020 and continued into 2021 and now as we've seen in 2022 and i think a lot of that is because the game became much more playable persistence started to step in frame rates got a little bit better more gameplay was was available and people just had a better time with each other i think that did help people start spending more money on ships they wouldn't have gotten and like you said with the vulture i think that when they release a ship that has actual features that look like it'll support it it'll do a lot better case in point i think the um what is it called? I think the the Legionnaire is the hacking ship they released. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, concept. The one. Yeah, that one was was weird and kind of frustrating because we all knew hacking was on the roadmap and it was planned to be released around that time. And then instead of getting hacking or even an idea of hacking in the game, we got a concept ship, which I think was probably not a great idea. And the, the thing that surprised me about the Legionnaire was like, oh, it hacks docking ports. Docking only works we... on three ships. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I was kind of thinking, like, shouldn't we just be able to hack docking ports from, like, a hacking console and not necessarily a specific ship? But, yeah, again, in, indicative of selling a ship versus using features to sell ships. I think if they had sold actual hacking at that time, or not sold it, but a released hacking, and then said, here's the Legionnaire as well, they would have sold way more. Yeah, I mean... yeah. I sort of think with the that that's the key. It's it's the concept ships where you've got no idea at all about what the gameplay is going to look like. So even something like the Orion, I know that the mining isn't going to be. We 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 haven't seen the type of mining the Orion's going to do. Right. But I have at least at the very least seen that CIG are capable of producing a mining game loop that I enjoy. Yeah. And and so I can I can put a bit of faith in them. And if I want to back the game and if somebody wanted to spend that money, you've got some grounds to put a bit of faith in. Mm -hmm. But something like hacking or modularity, which you've seen none of, it's harder to. I mean, there is some reason behind pushing out new ship concepts. Besides having some training area for new hires. So a lot of manufacturers or some of the manufacturers in Star Citizen right now don't have completely defined design language. Like, let's look at RSI. RSI has been around forever. It was the first ship ever developed. And you look at, you know, the Aurora and the Connie, and now you look at the Galaxy, or you look at the, what was the, uh, what was the other one? The that Perseus. Was the Perseus, yeah. Like, those are, it looks like two different manufacturers. Yeah. yeah. And you basically need those ships in between to define that design language. For Like, Anvil also doesn't have Anvil doesn't have any large ships, actually, beside the Carrack. So they will need some stepping stones in between before they can build out the bigger things. Same with Drake, for example. Drake only has the Caterpillar, which is also very, very old. So how do we expect them to build out the Kraken? And now comes the community's favorite, the Merchantman. They are never going to be able to build that because the, ban the Banu design language doesn't exist. There is, what, one Banu ship right now? The Defender? Yeah, the Defender. That's yeah, the Defender. And you can't take a you know, two-seater fighter and just kind of take the knowledge that you gained in a relatively small project, let's call it, and build a capital ship out of that. 
you just can't. You're going to hit too many issues. You're going to spend way too much time. You're probably better off, you know, building out a medium cargo ship or like a medium gunship or something like that. That's going to have the design language. You're going to refine it. Then you can come back to the bigger stuff. So I think that's one of the main reasons we're releasing new concepts. But we're going to get to that. I have more comments on how CIG does concept, but I don't want to derail us right at the start. That's fair. I think there's space. I guess, let's talk about concept ships and, and how we feel about them. I mean, obviously, they need to be selling concept ships to fund the game. Um, but there's a difference, I think, especially what Loud Guns kind of got at was the difference between selling the concept ships that are very much predictable that we can look at them and be like okay i have faith i know what what's going to happen with that ship i know that spirit's going to come out and it's going to be basically kind of like a 400i at least a c1 or or like a corsair it's my general cargo hauling small ship but then they release something like say um geez i don't know a, a crack or a pioneer let's say and Honestly. you just don't know what's going to happen there. How do you feel about those two concept ship releases? Do those come off differently to you? Or are you just kind of like, you know what, concept ship, funding the game, whatever you need to do? It depends on so many circumstantial things and the person in question. I think it's quite a personal choice. Personally, for me, I don't like backing something if I don't understand its core gameplay. And I've looked at the Pioneer every year I thought, this thing could be awesome, but I don't know what it's going to do, and I don't know if the gameplay is interesting, and it's very expensive, so I'm going to not. Whereas, you know, something like the Spirit, it was a pretty easy win for me. I was like, yeah, the Spirit, you know, okay, it's it's filling a gap in the market, the freelancer, cutlass-style size ship for Crusader. I know what's going to do. I've got a good idea. Yeah, sure, let's go for it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm a person who... You know, I, I, I need a little bit of um of uh of understanding of what something's gonna how how it's gonna play if I'm gonna put any money toward it, you know. Especially as a lot of concepts are significant cash investment. I mean, <laughs> even the smaller ones are still fairly significant. Yeah, it's like a full video game, even for the smallest yeah, yeah. ships. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there with the uh, like the spirit is so easy, like you can look at it and go, Okay, that's basically Crusader Industries version of a cutlass. But when you look at the pioneer you're like well what can i what, what's analogous to it we don't really have anything in game that's anywhere near that and uh so it kind of leaves a lot in the air it leaves a room open for theory crafting which then excites people and gets the hype going which is a whole nother topic of its own uh, but it still makes it kind of hard to figure out where exactly like what exactly that role is going to be we know it's a base builder we don't have any base builders in the game. We don't know how base building is going to work. We have seen them work on like the outposts and stuff and the prefabs, but we don't know what the gameplay looks like. We don't. We haven't really seen the documentation or even demonstrations. We've only just seen what is essentially the works in progress and even some final art stuff. Yeah. But uh, like, well, how does it do it? <laughs> we don't know. Okay, we don't actually have to even look as far as the pioneer. Also, Loken, is that your uh, ship sail emotional support cat? <laughs> He's actually in charge of the situation. I'm just the human meat puppet that speaks. Ah, uh, yes. Behind every uh, great content creator, there is a cat. Ah, sorry, there is a cat. He's being particularly uh, needy right now. Mistake. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, we don't even have to look at the pioneer or the or the merchantman or any of the big concepts actually. Look at the Vulcan. It's a small concept. What was it like, two hundred dollars? <laughs> what the Vulcan? And we don't know what it's gonna. Do. Well, we know what it's gonna do, but we don't know how. We don't have the tech. And here's the thing that I don't like about concept sales. They throw out a bunch of PNGs, and they say like, "This is roughly what it's gonna do," and this is like the manufacturer blurb for it. And here's some stats that the artist team threw together with, uh, based on an email with the vehicle team. And then, you know, a couple months later, when it actually goes into development, they will go like, oh, uh, well, it went into white box and it didn't quite work. So we had to change some stuff. See the Karak, where it was a nice little skinny thing and then it was a big chunk when it came out. Yeah, or the MSR. And, and everybody got upset. <laughs> so I think what CAG could do, rather than be like, oh, here's a, here's a concept, $200. Please and thank you with LTI. We're bond. So what they could do instead is be like, hey, here's a concept. Here's some shit that we're working on. Here is, I don't know, half a page, two paragraphs of what they do. And then just be quiet like they usually are. And then when they are like, okay, it went through white box. Here are some interior layouts. Here's more defined stats because we already modeled it. Here's a price tag. Here's the LTI. Here's the war bond. Thank you. Have a nice day. And I think that would maybe cost them a little bit of money. Let's be honest, it would probably, some few less people would buy the ship. Yeah. But it would save an awful lot of drama, which I yeah. think is ultimately the better choice. Because, like, come on, they, they got all the money in the world. They, they don't need the drama right now. The, the, they could dodge a lot of drama. Yeah. I think we had an episode about this earlier, just really on communication, in that there a lot of the things that they're doing that, put people off in terms of the concept sales or how they do them. Like you're saying, Space Coder, it's small changes, small shifts in when they let us know about things or why, I think would go a long way towards not having a community that is constantly whipped around from overhyped frenzy to uh, a very angry month. And, and, you know, I don't think that anything that we're talking about applies to a majority of the community. I think... Man, I just want here. them to proofread their 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 sales pages. Yes, that's all oh I want. God, yes, please. Yeah, yeah like what was it with the galaxy with the hangar size? Was it like the third or fourth time they screwed up? Yeah. Like uh, within one quarter. I think I had heard that the hangar was listed as too small or something. It was too big. Yeah, so the hangar was listed as being the Odyssey size, so extra small, and in actuality, it's XX small, so snub most effectively. Okay. Quite a big scale difference. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's something else that happened with the Spirit. I think it was there was like a yeah. It was, I think it had too many weapons on it, and one variant had too many cannons. I think, and they were a size bigger than they actually were. I, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, there were some things. Because I was going to say, Coder, they've gotten better about the whole concepting it out to be a little bit more realistic to what they would have to do with the game, like since the time of the character, the MSR. But they're still, they're still making mistakes like that. That just, it's the little things. I I guess when when people do ask those questions, like should I buy, which I personally hate answering. Yeah. But like the one the, the one thing that i will say is just like just wait just wait for the q a mm -hmm. yeah like wait for it to be in game it's yeah if i mean absolutely but if but if this person is desperate they've seen and i, I personally think like the best the best way to buy ships is rule of cool if you see something that you think is really cool 
you're probably less likely to be disappointed by it if it turns out to get a bit of a tweak or a nerf or, a, or whatever. Yeah. But, it's, but just at least wait for the Q&A. Yeah. They, and, and the iron out. I've realized over the last couple of years that I'm, I am looking at ships much more in terms of like, what kind of experience will I get from that? As opposed to, can I defend myself? Can I shoot this? Can I carry this much cargo or this vehicle? The vehicle thing is kind of important, but I realize more and more as more ships come out that I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm here for the experience and not so much of the min maxing. And I think mm. that takes a lot of, yeah. a lot of that pressure off of just picking the right ship, you know? Absolutely. I think when I picked up the spirit, it was like, I think because during Citizen Con, I, I was also on vacation and I was tripping balls the whole time. And then I saw the concept sale for the spirit. And I'm like, shiny. All right, where's my credit card? And that was it. That was my decision. <laughs> I saw the first picture of that thing. And I was like, oh, that is beautiful. Yeah, it's okay. a beautiful ship. All right. That is really spicy. Is. Yeah. I am going to have to go and buy this now. Love it. Thank I you, love the, the yeah. Mass Effect vibes from that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm sure hybrid is too. I think somebody I saw <laughs> call out the the, the hoodie. Yeah, um, got a rep. So, a little bit of a change of question. What is a ship release that we've seen recently? Could be concept sale, could be straight to flyable, could be something that was you know in production already. But what is a ship unveiling that they've given to us that you think was a success, and what is one that you think was a failure? It just in the last couple of years that you really gravitated towards. Oh, the cutter. I mean, come on. The cutter was an absolute success. At least in my opinion, it was. I, I mean, I imagine everybody here has somewhat similar opinions. Uh, but in terms of failure, though, uh, I, I personally love the Reliant series, but that ship has so many problems and it's missing so many gameplay features. Mm. And in my opinion, that was probably one of the ones that were one of the bigger failures, I think, in terms of like ships that were released and that were put out there. Um, Hey, maybe that'll change later when they improve on that. But like that ship has just like so many problems, so many tech issues with it. It was supposed to be like the cool idea of like what MISC was supposed to be with the Xeon yeah. and human tech and the transformations and stuff like that. And then the ships after that kind of didn't don't really seem to follow that anymore. It's kind of weird. Even the Freelancer is kind of losing its weird articulating engines. Um, so it's kind of sitting in the space where it's like CIG don't know what to do with it. And it also is missing its tech. And it's just behind on a lot of stuff, so it's like makes me no, sad. I think because they're really gonna like it. come back on it when they go through the Hull series, because it seems like they're doing the gold standard of Misk with the with the Hull series. Mm -hmm. So I think they're gonna come back to the other ships when they're done with that. At least that's my feeling. But I, I hope so. You know the Star. I hope so because yeah, I I love especially the Starfire. Yes, but because uh, I love my Tana, but. When I'm trying to take a friend with me to gun, because it's supposed to have like a turret spot that someone can gun with, it, it doesn't even have an interface. So mm. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, just sit in the back. Never mind. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, they'll come back to it and uh, take a look at it. Uh, that's why I'm holding on to it, because it's my baby. I love it. So. It's a cool <laughs> ship, and it's like an entry-level <laughs> kind of ship. Like, that's exactly. one that definitely yeah. should be working pretty well. I hope uh -huh. they come back to that soon. What about you guys? So for me... I have to agree with the cutter, but more specifically, I'd say that the Corsair has been absolutely, I think it's been a huge success. Um, it's gone through its pipeline relatively smoothly, and it has delivered everything it said it would, and has delivered that in a really succinct and well thought out package. And I think it's one of the most successful Drake designs we've seen, uh, and really 
fundamentally is at the core what that manufacturer is supposed to be and what it aims to be. And I think as a result of that, that has been one of the most successful ships I've seen so far. One of the least successful, though, I mean, there are lots to choose from. I think I'll, I'm going to pick on two. I'm going to pick on the Barney Merchman because we've just seen that thing change again and again and again and again. It's, it's you know, it's got bigger, it's got changed its shape, it's changed its kind of role, it's just been in sort of dev hell, basically. Um, and also, actually, the Carrack. I love what my Carrack can do, but they released it with half its features, and it really only does half of what it's supposed to do. And I have no idea when it's going to come online. And that rankles because I kind of, I don't know, I like having it, but at the same time, I miss having those features. And my my one specifically likes to murder people a lot. I mean, a lot. It's called the Event Horizon for a reason. Yeah. It literally murders my. It, it murdered me last night on stream. Actually, and it just blew up for no reason. Just detonated. Like yeah. All, it's all like when you're. Uh, it's, a it's like when you're walking on an 890 and you're just by yourself and you're just like, oh, this is a great ship, and you're just by yourself. <laughs> this is a giant <laughs> ship, and you're just by yourself. There's just no because there's nothing else to do with it. I mean, exactly. you can take it out and fight, but there's yeah. nothing to do with it. Yeah. I, I, have, uh, I have the promise of adventure in this amazing, you know, super long range exploration vessel, but I've got nothing to explore right now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, for me, the cutter is actually a mixed bag. Like, it's an amazing ship. It's it's ugly. It's it's ugly as hell. But it, but it's amazing. Like, it, it's probably the best starter ship out there because it has everything. Yeah, little box. But that's like a the thing. Fish. It's so good that it just makes all the other starters look like shit. Mm -hmm. And that's where CAG just majorly shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, where they yeah. didn't. They released this new starter. They actually made it starter price, and I think. They actually put it in as a game package. I'm not sure. I would have to check, but I know they sold it as a as a game package when it came out. And now, why would you pick an Aurora over it? Like it's it's a good ship, but you know you have a it's, you know it's got some cargo, it's got a bed, it's nice and big, got some guns. Yeah, but if I had to pick the ship that was the biggest failure for me, and those those in the audience who watch my videos, they will already know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say the Rock DS. Because when they announced that, I was like, why? Yeah. Why does this exist? Yeah. Why is this abomination in this game? Just why CAG? It was so bad I forgot about it. Yeah, that was that's a really <laughs> weird one. I still don't like I, I I expected them to at some point in the next six to twelve months give us a reason for that vehicle, but we it's just still doesn't make any sense. No, I think I think the reasoning behind it is that they were you know doing the pipeline for the rock and they couldn't decide which which direction to go so they kind of got into like a near final art on both on the regular one and the ds and then they were like eh, you know what let's do the regular one and then a couple months later they were like well we already wasted a couple hours of development time on this and it's like 10 hours away from being being flight ready so you know what? let's just eat it in there and you know what let's make it you know worth 70 bucks That'll be fine. And now they've got <laughs> another vehicle to keep up to date. Yeah. yeah. Another one, another of many instances of CAG shooting themselves in the foot. But, you know, that's just CAG. Yeah. But yeah, the Rock DS. Like, if, if there's one ship in the Star Citizen universe where I was like, why? For what purpose? Yeah. Then it was that. That's a, that's a, that's a weird one. Loud Guns, what are your picks? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely had the Cutter and the Corsair as my top two, so they've they've been started. I'm, I I would agree on the Cutter. I do sort of think though that it's because it's currently discounted quite heavily, 
So later on, you're going to be more comparing it against like an Avenger Titan, which makes sense to me because it's like the cutter kind of does everything, but it doesn't do combat. So, so if you want to, if you really want to get into this game for the combat side, then then you've you've kind of got that choice to make, don't you? Yeah. Um, Wouldn't know that from their concept images. Yeah, <laughs> always throw the ship every, in there. Fighting. Everything does combat from the uh, concept images. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um, not like maybe a left field one, but the Centurion for me, I actually reckon is a bit of a success. And that that's not from a I would buy it from cash perspective. It's I'm really looking forward to it being in the game for credits. Ground vehicles tend to be quite cheap, mm-hmm. and actually, sort of using those things around like something like Jump Town. So we we did a whole whole testing session with them and actually ground vehicles because of their low signatures, heavy firepower before you uh, before you know you're on them, or actually you know, they were a lot of fun mm-hmm. to play with, particularly around something objective-based like JT. And that's a good example of like what, Coder, you were talking about with The Rock, how they got to the end of the cycle and they were kind of like, okay, we got two versions, let's release them. Like at least with the Atlas platform, there are some very significant differences in how you use those vehicles. And I think they all kind of have a good use for them. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think that's why I love the Atlas platform is this, because they built out basically the chassis, which is just the wheels and the cabin. And then they were like, well, we can build a bunch of stuff with this. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, okay, let's have the Spartan with the crew cabin. And they were like, well, why can't we just swap out the missiles for some guns and boom, Centurion. And I think they will actually come back with more variants in the future because that, that thing has infinite possibilities, and I love it. Yeah, I hope like so. I, I always buy it in game because it's, it's just fun, and I can't wait for yeah. the Centurion because it was really fun in the PTU. A Centurion is yeah. cool. it's a cool vehicle, actually. Yeah, it is. The disappointments, disappointments for me though sometimes are some of the uh, some of the LTI tokens, like so so the hover quad. Really, I I found myself looking at the hover quad, and I was just kind of like, why do you exist? <laughs> except, right. except to be a thirty dollar ship with LTI. Well, but then, but then all the X one did as well. Like, but then the STV, the STV, I personally love. So, uh, so they're not all bad. Mate, that's the that's a fantastic vehicle. I love the Steve. It was yeah, so out yeah. of left field too. So he calls it by its real name too, the Steve. I, yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, <you> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I like. What that. is I my like purpose? You're an LTI token. Well, and it's also. The variety is nice. I was talking to Astropub about this the other day, and like having having redundancy in vehicles is nice. I don't know if it's necessarily something that we would want right now when, you know, clearly there are necessary vehicles we need, but having a vehicle that is literally just, oh, I like that just because it looks different from that one, you know, is is pretty nice. Um, For me, I actually, it's a ship that somebody mentioned in the in the chat, the MSR is a, is a weird one because it was kind of the first ship that it felt like they really went hard on making sure it was like detailed. It was it was a step up in their development kind of like quality levels. It had the locks, it had the light switches, um, and it felt a lot better. But then at the same time, it also suffered really heavily from what you talked about, Coder, which was that they concepted it to be something amazing that people loved. And then when they finally got around to having to make it, they had to make some pretty significant changes with it that really haven't aged well. Um, it's not just that, you know, with the MSR, they really went hard on the detail for Crusader, because I think it was the first Crusader ship yeah. out there. 
Yeah. And they really, really went hard on detail. And I think they forgot to, you know, step back and just look at the general functionality of that ship. Because when you, I think someone mentioned it in chat, like the layout of the MSR is horrible. And then you, for some reason, have an elevator in the cargo hold that goes two meters up instead of having stairs or having the elevator go all the way down to the ground. I think actually the amount of shit that was given about that elevator actually forced the Hercules to have an elevator that goes all the way down. Which I think nice. that's the only reason we have that, which is nice. Good eventually, we bitch loud enough for people for CIG to actually do something. <laughs> but I think eventually the MSR, like I love my MSR. I have an MSR. I haven't gotten rid of it. I love it. It's a great ship. Yeah. But I think eventually CIG will have to, once they're somewhat satisfied with their Crusader pipeline, at this point, I think they're pretty well into it. You know, they have a small fighter, they have a large ship. I think they will have to come back to the MSR, redo the layout completely. Yeah. And uh, and there's actually a lot of wasted space in the MSR, and that's a problem with many other ships. That's that's fine. Like the 600i, for example, it's 75% wasted space. Do you think they're so going to get rid of the cruel spaces? I mean, they were in the original concept, but there's no use for them right now. But I think they're going to stay. I think I, I think they could do like component and relay access down there, and it would make some sense. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Just I mean, like, okay, like, put some hidden cargo in there. It's, it's fine. Like, the crawl space can stay, but it's more like the general layout and the elevator that it's just kind of like little things that are sort of like first steps on the design that were just completely disregarded. Like, if you, you know, when you look at the interior layout of the MSR, where you enter, you have the server room, and then you go to the side, and that's where the turrets are. If you flip this around, it makes perfect sense. Like, if you just or if you just put the elevator on the other side of the cargo hold, where if you enter you know, the upper deck, you enter the turrets, then you have the crew area instead of having the servers and the scanner room mm -hmm. at the same you know, and, and that place. Yeah. Start it around. Like, put the elevator on the other side. That's it. There's some stuff they could do with that ship. I want to go back to what you were saying about the cutter, though. This, is, I think, is a really important topic that I haven't really seen talked about too much, but, like, is power creep beginning to become a problem with especially the starter ships if if the cutter and lab guns you said that it was discounted i don't know how much the cutter is supposed to be normally but if we... i checked it's 72 dollars so 72. it is avenger size yeah oh, okay cool so then yeah it's, it's definitely got a step up on the other starters in terms of um in terms of like usefulness but do you think as they keep introducing new ships is there a potential problem that we could see with with power creep have you guys noticed that in any any other ways besides that ship there's always a problem with balance, isn't there? The more, yeah. and and it's kind of like uh, it was. It felt quite bad at the time, but I'm actually really glad that they took those steps to like bring back the components and the weapons to level, because when you've got so many different ships and then you add different weapons and stuff on top of it, it is a balancing nightmare, and you're always you're always gonna have outliers. Spent quite a lot of time playing mobbers like League of Legends. And it just it just happens in that in that sort of game. You know, every patch you just get a different S to C tier. There's always a champion that's an outlier that they forgot about and they didn't didn't tune right. So yeah. I think we're seeing it a lot more in the combat side, because the combat side of Star Citizen's gameplay loop is probably the most refined right now and has the most dedicated ships for it. And I think you're seeing that some of the newer fighters or some of the newer entries to that have made others obsolete so the saber and the f7c i think are two very underperforming fighters right now and they just have other things have come out that are just better do its job better and they just 
are in a bad place. So I, I think it's absolutely something that is going to have to be very consciously looked at. And I really, really hope that CIG is going to stick to their mission statement of tons of different ships that all can do, you know, that, that may be in the same role and the same area, but they all do things a little bit, some things a bit better and some things a little worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about flavor of doing a job rather than this ship is objectively better than this ship, you know? Yeah. Because I, I, I don't like metas if I can avoid them. Yeah. Because it really takes away my choice. And and the the I mean, features you know, that they bring Aurora in. is more stealthy than the saber right now. Oh, that's, that's ridiculous. That grinds my gears. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Nikki <laughs> boy Aurora. Oh my goodness! The ultimate military infiltrator. Like I'm sorry, the Aurora is the ultimate ship. It's you know it's small, compact, has a little bit of cargo space, has, has surprisingly a lot of guns on it. If you have the Legionnaire, it has a lot of missiles. It can apparently take a punch. Also, it it is completely outdated. So yeah. nothing's going to break on it because it uses all the old tech. It's, it's the ultimate ship. Okay, it's and it's stealthy. Convincing argument. <laughs> I'm a very convincing person, and yet people don't believe me most of the time. <laughs> That's why we have you on here. Oh, I thought it was for the snacks. Oh, oh wait, yeah, there are yeah, no snacks. snacks yeah. The snacks. And the, and the, uh, the, the cutter, cutter love. Uh, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Another question I had and this is one that we've kind of danced around a little bit during this show. How do you guys feel about ships being introduced in order to bring in features? I think it happens in different ways. Sometimes you see a ship that's been around for a while, like, I don't know, the Caterpillar or anything else that has been deemed as modular, and then out of nowhere, CIG is like, hey, we're going to bring in this ship that brings in this gameplay that you've been waiting for on those ships, but hold on, we got another ship to introduce it with. Um... This is also something that I think we are possibly going to see with, um, let's see, what else do they have the opportunity to do this with? I mean, the cargo refactor, it kind of felt like they were hoping to do that with the raft instead of, say, something like the hull series or something like that. But how do you feel about ships being brought in to introduce features rather than those features being introduced and just added to the ships? Well, it's definitely cooler, right? Like I oh, think yeah. when Salvage comes out, and assu- assuming Salvage comes out, and the Vulture's going to go out with it, obviously, uh, that's going to be great. Everybody's going to be buying Vultures left and right because, oh, it's the cool new gameplay. And as, you, know, you know how CAG do balancing of new gameplay loops for economy. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it insanely profitable. And they're going to nerf everything else. Like Mining's going to be irrelevant again. And on the other hand, it would be very uncool if it doesn't make it into 380 in the salvage, and the vulture is going to make it. Uh, and then we have a vulture, which is not particularly useful without salvage. I think it has a little bit of cargo space, but that's about it. Yeah. And, and then you would have to wait another you know, quarter or you know, one, one patch cycle for that gameplay to come in. And I think that would you know, take away a little bit of the hype. Some people would be upset. And then we can also look at other gameplay loops. Like we can look at refining which is the Starfire. The Starfire has been around forever. And there is still no fuel refining. You can't even... It has fuel scoops. And they work. Fuel, fuel scoops work in, in Star Citizen. Have been working for years. And it can't even transfer that scooped hydrogen into the tanks in the back to refuel ships with. Mm-hmm. Which is technically its primary purpose, at least for the civilian variant. So, So I think... At the same time, that introduction of that gameplay is going to bring in a lot of hype, especially when they 
kind of bring it out of nowhere as they like to do with some things. But, you know, I think it's very much depending on the ship and the gameplay and how many people have the ship and stuff. I think, you know, the big things like modularity, that's going to just be a huge wave of hype when that comes out, if it ever comes out. I actually don't know what the problem with modularity is because technically they can treat the modules as components. It's going to work with their internal component system that I definitely do not know much about from looking at the files or anything. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, I was uh, excited for the Retaliator getting its modules eventually, and then they just kind of went radio silent on that. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, they, did it, they did it with the Caterpillar, then they did it with the Retaliator, and now they're probably going to do it again with the Galaxy. Let's be let's be candid with each other, gentlemen. <laughs> it's probably going to be the same. <laughs> I, I'm i in the position to where if CIG starts to prove to me that they are actually going to suggest ships that go alongside of gameplay loops and then actually bring those ships out with those gameplay loops, I'll be more inclined to be like, get hyped about it and excited. Like, okay, this is a good thing because, you know, hey, you know, this is our starship for this particular star piece of, um, of, of, of gameplay and this is one that directly, you know, works with it. You know, but like as Kurt as, uh, was saying with the Vulture and 318, that's, you know, tier zero salvage. Um, Failing that, then I, yeah, I don't want them to do that. You know, I just, I don't know, it's complicated. It's, it's been, there's been a lot of, hey, here's a cool ship, and then, oh, it's delayed now, and we're not going to see the gameplay for it. Oh, here's a cool functionality. Here's a cool ship that's going to make use of this functionality. Oh, okay, it's going to be delayed now. Uh, yeah, just... to follow up on that, you know, they do this, you know, here's a cool ship, here's a cool feature, and, you know, they do this at the onset. Of that, like when they are comfortable with announcing it, which is usually very early in development on a lot of things. And then they actually start working on it, like, oh shit, there's a blocker. There's a million blockers on this. We are never going to be able to do this with how we're right now. Right. And then they just kind of go quiet on it and they hope everybody forgets. You don't yeah. Yeah. The Spectrum like, never forgets. <laughs> <laughs> Spectrum never forgets. I think almost to, uh, almost to sort of play devil's advocate on it, they sometimes. And I, I've got no experience in developing computer games, so I might be way off the mark. But I do think sometimes you do have to admit you may be bit off more you could more than you could chew oh, with yeah. some of your concepts. And the so I look at something like the Endeavor and like the, all the potential combinations you could have of that, or something even like the Caterpillar. Like if you've got four slots for modules, that's a lot of variability. And so maybe maybe sometimes introducing something which is a much simpler application of it like the the galaxy is just one big room which switches out for three different options maybe it's just a, a case of doing something easier to yeah. start with um, mm. and we haven't we haven't actually heard the follow-up to um the the ship design team guys uh comment that they were getting closer on modularity so so maybe they will follow up with the retaliator maybe he wasn't maybe. talking about the galaxy maybe maybe i think you really nailed something there Biting off more than you can chew feels like the absolute definition of Star Citizen. Because from my perspective, what I see is that they proposed an amazing game, got a ton of funding for it, expanded that game into something that they think would be even better, and then slowly started to realize they're like, oh my gosh, we have to fund this. Like, we 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 made a lot of money, but then we promised a lot of stuff, and we got to somehow fund that stuff that we promised. So they started bringing out ships, and as they bring out those ships, they realize they need to make those ships enticing, and they add features for those ships, and then they have to introduce new ships to fund those features, and they kind of got into this whole 
scenario of biting off a lot of game that maybe because I I think that Star Citizen would have eventually made it to where it is now, but they 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 kind of like catapulted it up there, right? And and now it feels like they need to really bring in the ships to to make that funding work. It feels like we're we're crossing a bridge or we're building a bridge, I should say, and we're putting the planks in front of us as we go, and then taking the ones behind us, taking them out and putting them in front of us as we go. And just like, okay, let, let's just see how far we can get with this. Like having, having been working in corporate software development for many, many years now, you know, uh, I can say that that is very much the case everywhere. And it's probably the case with CAG where, you know, you have the big meeting with the customer, which in this case is us, the backers, and you promise a lot of things and you get a lot of money to do it. And then you sit down, you know, the, the marketing people and the managers, they sit down with the developers and they're like, so here's what we promised and we will do. And the developer, you know, the senior developer, he's just going to take his cup of coffee. He's going to pull out a little bottle. He's going to pour some alcohol. And he's like, you guys, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and how do you propose we do that? And you know what? Never mind the, the how. Just tell me when. And the manager is going to like look into his nose. He's going to look into his little note. And he's like, oh, in, in two months. It's like, do you idiots ever think about this? This was the conversation around server meshing. Yeah, and then, you know, then he just pours the rest of the little bottle of alcohol into his coffee, where it's mostly alcohol at that point. And he's like, you know, he takes a big, big, big gulp. And he's like, fine, we'll do it. And that's what Star Citizen, because eventually they will say, fine, we will do it. Yeah, and I they mean, will. And that's the thing, is it really, it, it's whatever angle you want to come at it from, but that's the position they're in. Some people believe they can do it, some people believe they can't. And we've seen very actively over the years that, they can't do certain things, but they're putting in the R&D to figure out how to. And that's, mm. that's like what a lot of the delays are. That's why iCache turned into the entity graph. That's why server meshing added the replication layer. It's, it's why a lot of these things happen because they get to a point where they're like, okay, this is really difficult. We've got to come up with a way to do this that works with the systems we already have, but we've got to fund that. And I think that that's really what they keep struggling with and hopefully starts to be a little bit easier as we get more of these core tech features into the game and especially when squadron 42 episode one somehow comes out um but yeah i mean it, it all comes down to really do you think that they can figure these things out in a timely manner and timely is a weird word because we're 10 years in but <laughs> in, in a timely manner in that like they're not going to run out of money before they can brute force it or do you think that they're just in, in hot water and they're not going to be able to make it happen. I don't know. That, that's, that's the way I see it. And um, mm. I think the ship development pipeline is the backbone of whether or not that happens. And that's why I think these are good talks to have. And I think why a lot of people are very concerned about ships and how they work because the game lives or dies on how well CIG can present these ships and make them function yeah. in the game. I mean, you know, the thing is there, you know, CIG has a lot of, lot of very talented people working for them. Like they have a lot of very, very good developers and there's a lot of talent in there. And having worked with a lot of very talented people, I can tell you that any problem has a solution. It's how long it's going to take you and how much is it going to cost at the end of the day. But every problem can be solved. And I fully believe that CAG can solve most of the blockers they have. But I also think that they are dragging this giant boulder chained to their leg 
which is management. Because they have, how many times they have reformed their development oh, at this point in the last five years, like three or four three times? Three major times, yeah. Yeah, like three or four times when they like reshuffled the entire development of the game. And they still haven't fixed the fundamental issue, which is that you have all these teams working on many different things. And this is inevitable in software development, especially on a project this size. You're going to have a lot of overlap in what they do. And not just overlap, you're going to have a lot of dependencies. Like this is going to be blocking that. This is going to be a prerequisite for this. And it's going to be back and forth for weeks before you plan a thing. Mm -hmm. So yes, I get it. But uh, there is probably a way to switch that up a little bit. I'm not sure you know, to what extent CAG or you know, at what levels they're doing what things in management. But I'm pretty sure there is a better way to do it. Maybe, I don't know. I would have to <laughs> phys physically force my way into the studio and ask people to figure it out. It might not go well. Yeah, but they probably wouldn't be very happy about it. But, you know, maybe if I come in with my laptop and be like, you know what, just, just give me a desk and I will do some stuff. And then, you know, maybe they'll be a little more amicable to, to me doing that. You know, who knows? Give this man a desk. Like, literally. He wants desk, boys. <laughs> no, my whole thing, like I say corner. this every time I'm on the captain's table, like CAG. If you look, like CAG is very anti-data mining. They don't like it. They don't like us to do it. They will never say it because all, most of the popular tools are data mining based. They, but they will never say. It, but they think it privately. And I'm saying, CAG, just give us a fucking API to do it, and we will stop. We will stop data mining your game if you give us an API that will give us the same information. Hell, CAG, if you give me a desk and a crate of beer, I'm going to write it myself. Literally, all I need. Just that's that's honestly me. not a huge sign-on bonus. Like I do it, some beer. Not bad. Literally, give yeah. me a desk and some beer. That's it. I'm gonna do it. Like, give me. Community's desk, been asking for yeah. Community's been asking for API like the ability to set up an API like for like ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would make everyone's life like infinitely easier. But uh, so far, they're just kind of like mm, just kind of been radio silent on it. I mean, to be, to be fair, it would take some development time and development effort from the actual game. Plus, it depends on like the underlying data structure of the game which is still evolving so it would just carry a lot of technical debt but once we move into kind of that no longer iCache persistent storage because we threw out iCache that they're working on that's going to be coming with server meshing and persistent entity streaming at that point i think the data model is going to be more or less safe not safe but stable uh, and they would be able to expose that to the backers because it, in my understanding that Storage is going to bring all the information into one place, which would be nice if they let us use that somehow. But that also brings a bunch of other issues. Again, CAG, if you're listening, desk and a case of beer and maybe a slight increase of my current salary. Like maybe. Well, there's there's a big <laughs> there's a big demand I think from like just from what you're saying, from what people talk about, like from things like Game Glass to. Um, services like yeah. the armory or navigation tools or trading to like there's a lot of stuff that people are going to be able to benefit from being able to have a little bit better connection to the data in the game so yeah hopefully that does that does come about like that yeah, i think the big concern there for cag is that they don't want people to have all the information which That's is fair. great but it's not going to stop us from getting all the information like if you're not going to give me all the information and you're only going to give me one chunk of the information you're going to give the next guy the other chunk there's and gonna eventually, be... I'm going to just collect you know, information from a thousand people and I'm going to have the whole thing. So just save me the effort 
you know, I mean, Save people me spend time. their they people spend their entire weekend just like shooting each other with lasers just to get to kind of guesstimate what the actual damage number values will be, even if they mm-hmm. can't data mine it. Like, yeah, exactly. People are going to spend hours trying to, you know, figure out what is the best, so to speak, or what is going to be the data points behind certain elements and stuff like that. And it's, uh, yeah, it, trying to put the stop gaps in front of it, I think can only do so much when at the end of the day, yeah. people are just determined enough when they love a game so much, they are going to find a way. But that kind <laughs> of adds to the game, right? If you have if you have the dedicated groups of people who can who can create tangible, useful information that is very hard to get, suddenly that is an in-game advantage or something that you might be able to to barter with. So I can see I can see how like both sides, you know, you, you want to have some level of uh with withholding information just so that it adds to the game, but at the same time it's nice to be able to easily create these services for the players. So that I I I can see that being an ongoing conversation for a while. Yeah, I mean, there's you know a lot of back and forth, and there's security and data issues, and it's all solvable with a little bit of thinking, a little bit of effort, because th- this is a very common thing for companies. This is what I do for a living. So for me, this is a very easy problem to fix or to solve. Mm-hmm. So you know, CIG, if you're listening, you have my email. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one more question that I want to. Uh, finish this off with you guys and then we're going to drop into a little QA session got a couple questions for you guys lined up from the audience but just to finish things off we've gone over the goods and the bads of the ships today and made it pretty clear that like these ships are crucial they're important they fund the game they drive a lot of features they make people excited but they also tend to be a bit of a drag on development at times they obviously are creating some tech debt and just looking into the future they're going to cause a lot of frustration making sure things are up to date or not what are what is what is the problem that you see though the most important problem that you see with this ship development with the pipeline with the way they release it the way they market it what's that one thing that you gravitate towards and what is a possible solution that you you see for that problem we'll start with you Logan. so for me when it comes to the the biggest problem with the development pipeline right now uh, I think it's two major issues is um, first, I think there is still a lot of I think, I think there are a lot of, there's, a, there's actually quite a lack of education for people and backers to truly understand what actually goes into the creation of a ship and that creates unrealistic expectations of when that ship should be released and come out. Um, and you know the, these these ships can take a long time through art you know into concept you know concept into art and art and to white box gray box and then you know final release i think there's there's that issue there lack of sort of public education so people can truly understand the level of of of, of commitment and effort that this happens um but also i think there is an, an issue of there just seems to be a greater throughput of concepts ships going in and a very there seems to be a trickle coming out at the other end and you know i've seen so many ships that have been announced in concepts i bought into a few of them and yet you know i don't know whenever if i'm ever going to see them because so few seem to actually make it through that pipeline to release so the solution i see personally is i would like to see them I think I think it just goes back to an earlier point about a lot of these ships being hung up over particular implementations of technology and is and and you know gameplay loops and cycles and bits and pieces that need to come in to allow these ships to exist. 
I, I would like to suggest that again, going to what Coda was saying, you know, every salute, every problem has a solution. It just depends on how much time it's going to take to create that solution. I feel that CIG in the meantime could come down and compromise on some of these things and to go on what Loud Guns was saying about, you know, why not with the Galaxy just have three variants of it with each module inside of it that can't be switched out yet as a stopgap measure so that when you do have the modularity, you can take those out and just consolidate it into one modular ship, you know, and just have that as stopgap. Or with my Carrick, for example, again, I use that as an example, I have the ship, I can fly it. Does it do everything yet? No, but at least I have it. At least I can use it. And that's better than, you know, the poor buggers out there with Apollo Medivacs, for example. I mean, we just had the Pisces Medi ship come out and that technically is the same kind of deal. I get that they haven't released the Medivac because it hasn't got the, mo you can't switch out the beds yet. Well, that's okay. Why I just have two variants for the short term, with the two different bed types. And then again, consolidate it later once that technology comes in. It might, you know, I, I, that that would be my suggestion. Now, there's obviously problems with my suggestion, but <laughs> that's where I'm at. It, I here I have a question then. Um, as an example, the Orion. Would you be worried about them bringing the Orion into game right now if they didn't think, have the actual mining ready? Yes, I think so because I think that you need to take into consideration the, the examples. So. To expand what I was saying, so the examples I've given are ships that actually already have a pre-existing gameplay loop that is actually in the game okay. and is relatively well established. And yeah. as a result, it's fair to have an approximation. Whereas the Orion, again, uh, Loud Gods was saying earlier on, you know, we don't know how the Orion's supposed to actually mine things. This thing's supposed to be gobble up entire asteroid fields, not just singular things. And because that gameplay doesn't exist in any capacity, I think it will be, I think that would be a bit too far. You know, yeah, um, um, this this might be controversial as a miner, but I'd actually be worried about them introducing the Orion into game right now with all of its gameplay features, because if you bring something in like that, which, you know, how long would it take with something Orion sized to be able to buy every ship for credits in game? You know, it's it's kind of it's too big for Stanton. Yes, in a way, there's, yeah. and so if. And unfortunately, if you if you go out and you buy every single ship with credits, then that is one key one key driver for players to keep playing the game, which you've just taken away. So it's, it's there's some nuance to it. It's not just a put in this put in the concept ships. Like there yeah. are there are reasons for each ship. Our, yeah, there has for me personally, if the gameplay loop exists even in its earliest iteration, you know, um, then I'd say that it would be fair to bring in a ship that may not have all of its functionality online yet but enough to where it makes sense within the game so again the apollo medivac we've got medical we've mm -hmm. got a decent approximation medical bring the apollo medivac in Absolutely. you know um that kind of thing yeah. but if it's a big ship like a capital vessel or it's the gameplay just does not exist yet then yeah you know keep those on the table because there's no reason for it to exist in the game yet mm -hmm. hybrid how about you um yeah i think like one of the things that we look at when we look at the concepts and one of the bigger criticisms i think a lot of people have including myself is that like what is the actual like where realistically in the timeline we can expect this ship that's been announced so we know now that a lot of the bigger ships are not really going to be seen in the game until they get server meshing in and of course more star systems for example like pyro and well, we understand that timeline intuitively could mean anywhere between now and another four or five years. Who knows? We don't know. 
Uh, we only know exactly what they just told us now. But when it comes to like smaller ships, um, we don't really get that kind of timeline. Uh, we don't really understand where it's going to fit in unless, for example, it's missing a gameplay element. Then we have to wait for when the gameplay element gets on the roadmap, I guess. And then that's when we kind of know it's maybe going to come in. Like the Legionary we were talking about earlier, right? That seems like a relatively simple ship to put together. It's just missing the hacking gameplay, which was taken off. So now when is that ship going to come in? Well, I guess maybe when hacking comes in, but then we have docking. So I, I think that's taken care of. Yeah, it, it's kind of yeah, it kind of makes it tricky trying to figure out where things fall. And if I were to uh, basically try to provide some, I guess, critique or some feedback, it would be that trying to explain where realistically these ships could come in may be useful, but I know some people would be like that. They probably would never do that because it might be bad for um, getting more ship sales, I guess you yeah. could say. Because if you're saying like, if you're saying this, uh, yeah, we have this new capital ship that just came out, by the way, uh, we need it for server meshing and that could be years down the line. So uh, keep that in mind. If people are going to be like, eh, probably not going to spend my money on it then. So there's a, there's a juggling act that has to go into it. But I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind, at least for me, is the timelines if I, if it, it were me personally, I would love to be more transparent about those timelines, about where we could potentially realistically see that. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like by leaving that sort of information out, they're being a little disingenuous? Because as Loken said, like the, 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 the actual public knowledge of how to expect these things is not very easy to come by. I can see the argument for that. Um, my, I think the reason why they don't, of course, like we could argue again, like you said, is the financial reasons. And they, of course, need backers to help fund it, finance the project and to move things along. Um, so there's an, definitely an argument there. I'm not sure I subscribe to that per se. I think it's more or less just this is kind of the way they've always done things. Mm -hmm. And uh, they could definitely do more to improve. And we've always said that for years. There's always more they can improve and they take our feedback and they move with it. And for me personally, that would be my feedback is, hey, let's get some realistic timelines. It doesn't have to be a date. We know you, CAG, we know you guys are adverse to... Uh, <laughs> to dates and that's we're perfectly fine we're, we're, yeah we're also addicted but we, you know at least at least give us some crumb you know give us some crumbs like let us know what's going on here when can we expect this you know mm -hmm. what's the realistic timeline when can i get this you know that's fair coder how about yourself so i think the ship pipeline especially with the concept that there are two issues that i see one is that even though we have come a very long way with the ship pipeline it's still it still feel, it feels like it's very early stages where they seem to be getting hung up on things quite often and then they have to switch focus. Even though, like, we know that they have multiple ships in the pipeline. We know this. But there are still, you know, multiple teams working. There's the art team, there's the vehicle programming team, and then I think some gameplay team takes some effort in there as well. So these guys still need to, especially with all the reorganization every once in a while, they have to learn how to work together, how to optimize the pipeline, and this takes time. And that's okay. They will learn eventually, right? And the second thing is kind of, I think everyone alluded to it a little bit, with the communication on concepts. And what I said earlier, that some of the larger ships for some of the less populated manufacturers, they might not have the design language ready. They might not have some of the base components ready. Like, uh, when you think about it, the C8R is just, the ripped out pieces of the Carrick Medbay put into a Pisces. There was very little model work done on it. I think there's shortening the, the little medical station. That's all that was done in there. Might, might even not that because I think the model is split at that point in the Carrick, but whatever. So they have all this prep work to do for a lot of the ships. 
And this is just going to take so, so much time. So I think my advice on to how to fix this, one, start small. Like, refine, you know, small details, have reusable pieces for manufacturers. Because when you think about it in cars in real life, uh, isn't it like, you know, most of the cars have this, literally the same parts because they are made by the same, same companies? Yeah. So I think CAG could do something similar along those lines with chips. Sure, you would lose a lot of the uniqueness, but let's be honest, it's a standardized format of a vehicle. You can't really be that unique. Like, oh, yes, try. cars look, you know, they try. Like, cars look different, but the basic operation of a car is the same everywhere. Like, you look in front of your center, that's where your dials are going to be on 95% of cars. Looking at you, Drake, with your MFD on the floor <laughs> on the course here. <laughs> well, that's the thing is a lot of these ships have very, like, small custom things. Like, I was surprised that they put those window visors on the cutter. Like, those yeah, sorts really of things like is that. like, are you guys going to do that for every ship? Like, how, how, is that, how, that, how does that work in the long term? I, I kind of got derailed there, but so they, I think they should, you know, start small, refine the design language, refine the, because I think they have a slightly different pipeline for each manufacturer mm -hmm. or each type of ship. So that once they refine this, they can move on to bigger things. And then I think that's going to smooth things out. And then what I mentioned earlier, where when they, you know, the concept team, they come out with a shiny new concept and the marketing team, they just gobble it up and like, oh yes, we're going to publish this immediately, right? Right now, like put this up on Twitter immediately. Like right fucking now, don't even proofread the, the text, just goes right on the website. Mm -hmm. Slow the fuck down, CAG, please. And show uh, the concepts, be like, okay, here's a new concept ship. This is what it roughly does. We're going to come back to this when it goes into the pipeline. And then it goes into the pipeline, goes through the white box. It's like, okay, we did a little bit of more work. This is what the interior is going to look like. Here's some white box pictures. Here's what it's going to do. That's it. And now you can buy it. And you can make a more informed choice okay. on whether to buy it or not, which I think is why a lot of people are salty about concept sales, which is like, we are expected to make a choice on to buying a thing that is very expensive. And it might be the only opportunity to get it with this very prized LTI that, by the way, nobody knows how it's going to work. Just FYI. And, and yet we're all trying to buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the CAG just doesn't give us this information to make that Yeah, choice. I mean, insurance, holy crap. Don't even get started on, like, the fact yeah, that LTIs. insurance is <laughs> yeah. such a crucial part of buying yeah. these ships, and it's not even a fleshed-out thing. Yeah, that, you know, this, this LTI thing is, is very funny, and I try not to think about it. It's the best way. It's the yeah. best way, you know, ignorance is a bliss. Like, I don't, even, I, I don't, I don't even place importance on insurance. Like, if something has 10 months of insurance, cool, I don't care. I'll make enough money to pay it in the game at some point. Like, trying to understand or quantify how insurance is going to change your purchasing of a ship is just way too deep. Yeah. As somebody it's who's artificial been here for scarcity. like eight years. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 It's a form of artificial scarcity. So it's like, yeah, we always tell our guys in our org, the new guys who are newer players, we say like, hey, if you guys are going to get new ships, don't put so much emphasis on LTI. All right. At the end of the day, you're part of an organization. We got you covered. If you need something, we got you. Yeah. But we don't know anything about insurance. Don't waste your money on it. I don't want to say waste because some people really, really want it. But at the end of the day, like, don't, don't put the heavy emphasis on it. Don't try to, you don't have to do all the CCU games and all that if you don't want to. If you see it now, 
and it only has six months of insurance, so just get it now. Why are you going to go and try to play this convoluted game? Just get it now. Don't worry about it. We don't yeah. know anything about insurance enough for it to matter right yeah. now. Well, I think yeah. the whole insurance thing went overboard when, uh, you know, the Star Jump created an app that's going to tell you how to do a CCU chain to get the ship that you want. That That's where I realized that we might have gone too far. <laughs> Yeah, they've they've definitely gone too far with that stuff, and I really, it's it's very annoying. Uh, but loud guns, please. What 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 is what is the problem you see and a potential solution? The the best part about going last and never be being so comprehensive is you uh, you tend to cover it all off for me. I think the <laughs> I think the one the one thing which slightly gets me, and I think I think the first time it it left like a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth was um, I remember seeing an email for the last chance to get the Perseus when they when they sort of did an announcement on on a Perseus, and so I, I don't personally have a problem with when my concept ships come out, or because or like what what ship comes out before which other one. Because I, I'm I'm kind of hyper aware of everything I don't know, like I, I'm not from this background, and I'm I'm just of the of the belief that you know if CRG aren't rushing my ship out the door, they've got a good reason. Um, the the one thing I'd ask back from them in exchange for that understanding is, uh, could you not rush people's credit cards out of their wallets with with sort of this fake. FOMO because yes. I'm sorry, it's not the last time chance to get hold of a Perseus. That Perseus is going on sale twice every year. You know it. I know it. Yeah. So so stop saying last chance to get, last chance to get. Until it is Definitely. the last chance to get and you're gonna stop ship sales on X date. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the little things like that. I don't I don't remember if it was a Perseus per se, but I do remember them doing another really kind of like just uh not i don't know how to describe it just not a good look sort of email that they blasted out to kind of entice people into buying stuff and i'm like if people want to come in and start spending money to support the game so be it but like you guys gotta pick and choose when you're asking for this kind of stuff and sending out emails yeah. for a ship that's like multiple hundreds of dollars like that and then telling people like you said it's your last chance to get it Make sure to jump in and buy. Like, don't do that, please. Yeah. I agree. I think you guys all sort of wrapped up uh, the things that I I see as well. I mean, honestly, the communication is a big one. Um, Loken and Hybrid, you guys really stuck into that. Teaching players what the heck is going on in this game. I mean, heck, we, we don't even have tutorials. Like, people don't know how to get out of bed when they start the game. They can't even get up Wasn't onto their feet. Wasn't there a ticket for like first thirty minutes of player experience improvement? Yeah, and and yeah, literally they're working that. on it. Yeah. They're 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 working on the new player yeah. experience. I think things like the uh, new scanning and FPS and how they label the interaction and stuff cool. is going to help a ton. But like when we're still trying to teach people how to play the game, how are you going to expect people to navigate this store on a website that's not even called Star Citizen and trying to go into ship sales and all this stuff and like. Yeah. The communication on that front really needs to improve and get people's expectations in line with what you're doing with these ships. When is the ship actually coming out? When is the gameplay actually being worked on? If you don't know, say you don't know. Of course, they never will. But like, I, I am, I'm in agreement with you guys on that. And I think that the ship sales aren't going anywhere. 
I I used to hope that we weren't would see them end once the game went to live. Uh, at this point, I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think we could still see them limiting the ships to maybe just like some of the entry level or starter ships, a hundred dollar and less kind of things. Um, and I also worry about concept sales after the game goes live. Cause I think that if they were going to do that, their best option would be to say, Hey, you can buy and support this ship. It'll come out in two patches, but once it does come out, everybody else can get it as well. Like doing stuff like that, I think is a good way for them to sort of split the gap on being just overboard in terms of this stuff and also just cutting it off. Um, but from from what I gather here, just talking with you guys, there are clearly a lot of small things that they could be doing to improve yeah. their practices and, and the things that surround these ships. But I'd like to thank you all again for joining me today. This is a great discussion. I was really hoping to hit both sides of this. You know, we all know that these ships are cool. We love them. We want to see more of them. We want to see them do well. But at the same time, like it is a tough subject to follow if you're a star citizen fan and i think there are problems to be talked about i think there's praise to be given there's no other game with ships like this um and there's no other game with ship sales like this so thank you for joining me today uh, were there any other thoughts or or comments or anything that you guys wanted to get out before we finished up i have one off topic which is shout out to the recruiter who figured out my linkedin from watching the stream <laughs> wow well, there you yeah, go. i'm literally reading a message on my link like hello samuel uh, i'm watching the show you're on right now we would like to offer you a job but the question <laughs> is out. is it cig is it it's not cig oh. do i get any commission oh, on that hire <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm gonna negotiate we, we're gonna we're gonna figure well, it out that's cool that's cool pretty pretty solid uh did anybody else have something that they wanted to get out before we yeah, I I did have one thing. Um, whilst I obviously I try my very best to be remain as neutral as I can, and I don't want to appear, ever appear as a cloud imperium white knight, nor do I want to be a complete naysayer. All I'm going to say is that it's really, really important to always underpin and remind people that we are watching the development at a forensically detailed level every single step of the way. In a, in a very transparent situation, which nine times out of 10, 99% of the time, you don't see. You do not see this with other games. You do not see it with Grand Theft Auto. You don't see it with Red Dead Redemption. You don't see it with anything. Yeah. This is very different. And as a result, we do get to see a lot of the mistakes that usually are in-house and a lot of the fumbles and the tech mistakes and the, oh, you know, we can't do this. We have to do it in different ways. And just to rem rem remind people of that, that's all. You know, yes, we can, it's important we converse about it and it's important that we critique it and we talk about this stuff in open lobbies and forums. But also, I'm not saying give them all the leeway and rope that they could possibly ever want so they can strangle themselves, but just remember that we are watching what would be, again, like I said, behind closed doors. And it's actually, in a lot of ways, a privilege because we may actually be able to, as a result, affect you know, change at a far more fundamental level than other backers for other games or other other, other players of other games. Yeah, and it Absolutely. is an absurd game they're trying to make. I mean, if they were oh God, yeah. if they were going in and making like a, a city builder, 
not to say that city builders aren't hard because god i love myself some civ but like if they were going in and trying to make a city builder with like you know a, a normal amount of scale i would be absolutely just through the roof with frustration if it was taking them this long to get more of these basics down but i do understand the 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 differences that this game has from some others and i think there are plenty of problems to focus on no doubt like you said there's a lot of nuance and opinions to be had about this like uh, you don't want to be 100% for or against or you know cheering it on or or knocking it down um there are mistakes that are being made and that's pretty clear but there's also a pretty cool game that's being made and it's hard to not also acknowledge that i think the thing i think they succeeded more than they failed that's for sure it wouldn't be this far down the pipeline if they hadn't yeah yeah the fact yeah. that they've even lasted 10 years is <laughs> is is pretty good all right guys well one last time i'm going to let you go through the list real quick and just let people know where they can find you and then we are going to wrap things up here and do a quick q a with everyone who's here live with us so logan go ahead and throw out the links so if you uh, want to catch me, I'm live on Twitch four days a week, Tuesday through Friday. And you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash LoganPlays. You can also find me on YouTube um, at LoganPlays as well. And all the branding's the same. You'll see uh, I'm very easy to find. I'm also on uh, TikTok and on Twitter. Again, at LoganPlays. Yeah, and Hybrid V, literally just only on YouTube right now at Hybrid V Audio. So if you want to check out some cool videos where I go around and try to uh, change out the audio soundscape of Star Citizen, by all means, come and check it out. Or if you need some tutorial and guidance, it's also there for you as well. So I'll see you all there. Coder. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> uh, so uh, you can find me on YouTube as the Space Coder. Uh, I do videos once or twice a week, depending on how much overtime I'm doing at work. And if you're looking for some help with finding gear for your character in Star Citizen, uh, go to the armory.thespacecoder.space, where you will find all the stats, almost all the pictures, and all the sale locations everywhere to loot stuff. And yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yep, so uh, it's also just find me on YouTube under Loud Guns. Um, and it's, it's basically whatever I found most interesting that week. That's the, uh, the way I try to put together my content schedule. But got a bit of everything, some guides and some some random theory crafting so come on by cool well thank you guys again and uh i am space tomato you might might not know who i am uh thanks for coming and watching this if you do but i do youtube i've got two youtube channels mostly surrounding star citizen but i look into other sci-fi games as well i stream on twitch really just searching space tomato anywhere will help you find me and if you want to help support all of that stuff or jump into these podcasts live because some of them are actually done offline uh, you can become a YouTube channel member or a Patreon member, and I do exclusive videos every month for those people as well. So that's my gig, and I would like to thank you all, whether you're listening to this on your audio platform of choice, which has no ads, or you're watching this on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for sticking around. Honestly, if you're still watching this on YouTube, leave a comment. Let me know. Hit up the timestamp and let us know how we did. But uh, I'd like to thank you again one last time for joining us today. And I'll see you all next month.